Welcome to Rethink Business. We believe that we're in the early stages of an historic global culture shift that is changing the role of business in society. It's a movement of people using business as a force for good. The most important thing about running a company is to remember all the time what a company is. A company is simply a group of people. I hope to recapture today a little bit of that uh, youthful idealism uh, and enthusiasm and to transmit it to you. Because I really believe that we can be the generation that makes business better. Business is, is just this mechanism where I get to integrate all aspects of myself, the things that I love, the things that I'm good at, the things that I just see as my work, and use business as this mechanism to deliver that value. Welcome to Rethink Business, sponsored by Booming Group. I'm your host, Anna Aguila, and this podcast is about our curiosities around the ways by which the paradigm of business is shifting. And it starts by building the people behind the business. We always hear of ways to be successful in business, how to increase your income, how to create a shorter work week. There's a lot out there. On the other side, we hear about how to become a better person, how to create a positive impact in society and build a better world. Well, we're curious about a world where you get both and where business is a force for good. Today, we are going to talk about creating a culture of sustainability in a small business. I'm always curious about what all that looks like for a restaurant, a bookshop, a retail store, a salon, a solopreneur, an insurance agency. I ask what kind of impact, if any, small business owners can have in the larger scheme of things. Can we even put a dent into the system? I speak with Alejandro Moreno, who is a sustainability expert and also the co-founder for VenturePad, a co-working space in downtown San Rafael, California. And I ask him what sustainability is and how to work towards that as a small business. And here's what he gives us. So, so essentially, there are... I guess three sort of forms or groups or categories of sustainability, um, like big, you know, big macro sustainability, uh, and which is often frequently referred to as a triple bottom line, which is um, people, planet, profits, um, or people use three E words instead of three P words, and that. Um, equity, environment, and economics. <clears throat> so, it, equity and people can be in, used interchangeably in this context, in this sense. And, and that sense is that um, sustainability for people is um, basically quality of life, fairness, um, peace, not war. Uh, happy uh, jobs that pay a living wage, um, that kind of thing. So equity is very much along those lines. Equity is um, not the financial kind of equity where you have a piece of stake in a company, but equity which is about equality. 
equity. Similarly, it's about fairness, uh, justice. It's human sustainability. And so there are many things you can do around that in the workplace to improve human sustainability, like what I mentioned uh, a minute ago, which is a living wage. And of course, things like, you know, if, if an entrepreneur can afford it, then offering health benefits to their employees. Um, that's really hard when you're a small company, especially in the U.S., because we all know what a racket the health insurance is in this country. But if you can, great. And then just the culture in the workplace, the culture in the workplace can be very um, awful. Like it, it seems to be at places like Fox News where, you know, uh, multiple women are filing lawsuits for sexual harassment and whatnot. Or, you know, you go to the other extreme where there's equality and there's respect. So all those things are equity slash human sustainability um, or people in the people, planet, profit, triple bottom line, whatever terminology you want to use for it. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, that's sort of the human sustainability sustainability factor that you can have at work and um, and that kind of culture is very much set uh, I believe top down that's interesting when you talk about top down and I don't want to go down the road of politics and and government and things like that but it is I mean we're, we're talking about top down and I'm pretty sure a lot of the entrepreneurs that even we know and small businesses that um, we're familiar with if they could and if they could afford it if they had some kind of tax break or, or some kind of government um, subsidy when offering the right kind of health insurance or health um, care benefits I'm sure they would jump on it but because it's so unaffordable I think that's often feel helpless to be able to be the leader they want to be because surely they want to but then it becomes impossible and unaffordable. And one example I have about that is um, I used to work for a small private school. And, you know, one of the complaints among the teachers, the full-time teachers, was that they weren't offered health insurance. Mm. And um, and it was really problematic because people would leave. And it just, it was a, it was a big mess. Um but I had a conversation with um, one of my old colleagues who's an insurance um, insurance agent for healthcare, and he said it was much cheaper to, um, like, for example, small business would, wouldn't get a break. Like, it would still be expensive. What would be um, more effective would be to have a reimbursement program. Like, so, for example, if the employee say, um, you know, had insurance through, in our case, Covered California or even, you know, their own private health care, then the company would reimburse the employee was a cheaper route to go. Um, but that still doesn't seem like a very reliable system, you know. Mm -hmm. But I just, just feel like I know entrepreneurs and small business owners have good intentions, but there's only so much they can do. And so yeah. when you talk about top-down, it's like it's really top-down because they can't execute the kind of culture 
uh, that they want. And so that's what's like, oh, what do we do? <laughs> well, so, so uh, you know, your suggestions are definitely valid. The, the, the problem is that we're trying to come up, even though those suggestions are, are, are good and I, and I wish they could be implemented more, the real problem is the bigger context. Um, at least in my opinion, the bigger problem is that we don't have single-payer health care. So in terms of human sustainability, you know, coming up with these reimbursements and those kinds of things, while, while maybe useful and helpful and effective, there's still band-aids to the greater, to the greater problem. And, and so the government, I believe, needs to take a very top-down, right? Mm -hmm. Um, sort of meta top-down. Yeah. <laughs> government is just saying we're going to have single-payer health care, and yeah. so we're going to have single-payer health care, period. Just yeah. like we have free speech and the right to bear arms, we're going to have health care. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. But we don't because it's been politicized. And yeah. you know, the corporations basically run the, the politics game. So, yeah. so we don't have single payer healthcare in the USA. Do you think that's but, ever going to happen? I mean, not certainly not now, ever, <clears throat> because of who we have in leadership and in the White House. But is that is that something that we're ever as a country going to achieve in our lifetime? I think so, mm -hmm. especially if things get bad enough under Trump. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hoping that will come out of Trump is that he is he and his along with his administration mm -hmm. and all the um, all the Congress people that are enabling and supporting his um, agenda um, along with his cabinet members, if they can do enough destruction, and it's this is a horrible way to think about it and a way to look at it, but. But I don't know what other route to take because um, they're in power right now. So the only thing I can hope for is they sort of um, create enough anger and enough frustration and enough um, I've had it with this and I'm not going to take it anymore kind of feeling throughout the USA that people will say enough is enough. We need single-payer health care. We need it now. And we're not going to elect you unless it's part of your platform. Yeah. And don't let Republicans or the Democrats water it down because both parties water down single-payer health care. They're both guilty of scuttling the ship. Yeah. Uh, they both are. Of course, the, the GOP is a little more destructive than the Democrats are when it comes to that, but, but both parties are, are, are very guilty. That's healthcare in, in a nutshell. You know, there's, there's all the other sustainability, um, that can go into making a, a business greener. So, um, yeah, the top down stuff, yeah. it, it can be something as simple as your, your, your happy hour or your, your like social mixers that you might have. Um, it can be as simple as, have you trained your employees to recycle? Do you have a recycling plan in place? Have you analyzed your waste streams? How much of your stuff is going to landfill? How much of your stuff is getting recycled? Have you gotten any data on that? <clears throat> um, you know, are your, have you switched over to LED yet? Um, are your lights on timers or do you have sensors installed? in your room so that they turn off the lights when people leave 
um, have you installed low flow um, faucets and uh, low consumption toilets in your bathrooms? Have you become a green certified business yet with your county? Is there a green chamber of commerce in your in your local area? Um, there's so many things you can do. Okay, let's say you're a restaurant, you're busy managing the restaurant, and you have no time to invest, but you want to. You just don't have the capacity, the, the time, the energy. Are there organizations yeah. that kind yeah. of knock on doors and say, hey, we're going to make your restaurant more green? Or is that pretty much up to the company to really spearhead that effort? It's up to the, man, the owner or the manager to um, at least take the first step you know, to have the initiative and to want to do it, right? And in order to want to do it, there have to be some good reasons. Um, besides the little green sticker on your window that says, you know, Bay Area Green Certified Biz or whatnot, which is great PR and all that, you know, you, you can also save a lot of money because um, your waste gets reduced, your garbage bills might be reduced because of that. Um, your water bill, your electric bill, um, all these bills can get reduced significantly. So once an owner sees that and they see the savings in it, then a, a lot more light bulbs fire than, than usual, right, than, than otherwise. So then the next step is contact your local Green Biz certification um, agency and usually your local county, like, like say for example here in Marin, there's the Civic Center right up in Santa Fe. And that's where all the county seats are, the county agencies. And so they have a Green Biz certification program. And it's just a matter of calling them and saying, hey, I want to get certified as a Green Biz. What do I need to do? And they will walk you through step by step what it is you need to do. And if you don't have the time to do it on your own, you can get help to do it. And, you, and it, it, it can even be free help. So for example, um, here in Marin, and I know there are other schools and other counties in the Bay Area that do this and, and across the nation. But for example, here in Marin, we happen to have a Green Biz certification program that is connected to local uh, schools, local universities, local JCs. So for example, um, when I did the Green MBA program at Dominican University here in San Rafael, Part of our, um, we had an eco-commerce class, I think it was, uh, with Professor Susan Brisky, and she's still Dominican. And part of what we had to do as, as part of our class was we had to help a particular business in Marin get Green Biz certified. So there are student internship programs out there that will pair a student intern with a particular entrepreneur to help that entrepreneur get certified as a green biz and so the student will come out they'll visit your site of business at least you know two or three times at least during say their semester and and they'll do an analysis of your of your waste streams like what's going in your garbage how much of your garbage is landfill versus recycling versus you know they'll look at your lights they'll look at your um your water consumption they're going to look at your bills so you have to be willing to share this data with the intern and, and let them, because if you want them to do the work for you, then you've got to share your data. Uh, and a big part of this is it's important to be transparent. These days, transparency is something that is increasingly valued and valuable. 
um, especially to the uh, to the for for regards the as regards the portion of your business that is public facing. Mm-hmm. So so be transparent if you're an entrepreneur as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, share that help that intern help you get certified. Um, there's another school here in Marin that's called MCEL. Um, I think it's Marin Sustainability. Uh, I forget what it stands for, but it's MSEL. And basically, it's it's a sustainability high school. So yeah. it's a high school program sustained around sustainability, and yeah. they, they can help you too. So you can you can reach out to organizations or similar organizations like this in your region. Um, your county green biz certification agency can definitely help you um, find student interns, um, or if there's a like a some kind of green sustainability program at your local high school or local junior college or university. Um, all these all these are resources. You can even create your own internship. Right. All you have to do is create an ad, put it on Craigslist, and say. I'm looking for a green biz intern who will help me get green biz certified. Right. Right, right. And then create an internship and say, you know, I'll sign whatever you need at the end of, of your semester to right. give you credits for your program. That's a brilliant idea. And, and, yeah. and if, if the intern is willing to do it for free, then make sure you as the entrepreneur, make sure that the intern is getting a lot out of it. So not just figuring out how to get you green certified, but also learning about your business. And so make sure that it's a two-way street with that right. intern. Because if the intern is only doing work for you and they're not getting anything out of it, right. you start to get in trouble with unpaid internships. Right. So if you're an entrepreneur, Google unpaid internships uh, for your state. So if you're in California, Google unpaid internships in California. Look up the law and inform yourself. Wow, that's really cool. And let's say, let's say all the businesses in just one, you know, downtown area does make a shift or does make an effort to, um, you know, install these practices in their small business, what does that impact look like um, in terms of energy savings? I mean, is it, I mean, because, and I'm asking that because I, you know, me as um, a small business participant, I always think, well, we'd probably hardly make any kind of debt. So what's the use? And I'm sure that every other businesses thinking that too, like why am I going to make the push aside from my, from my own, um, you know, mindfulness? Like what is that really going to do? And what kind of impact, let's say, a downtown area could make if they all push together for that? So um, there are a number of things that you can do as an individual entrepreneur that owns a business. The more energy intensive your business is, the more money you'll save. So, you know, a, a restaurant, for example, has um, ovens, um, you know, microwaves, um, hot dishes, a lot of hot water, all the dishwashing, the sterilizing, all that stuff. So, a business like that can see a save of potentially thousands of dollars in a year. Uh, if you're a small business, you know, small office, maybe 500 square feet, 1,000 square feet, and you, you're not running something like a restaurant, but it's it's let's say it's just office space. You will still see savings, but it won't necessarily be in thousands of dollars. 
not consuming that much in the first place, but you will still see savings. The other areas what you can uh, what you can improve upon and where you can garner additional savings are things like your supply stream, your supply chain. So um, where do you if you're a restaurant, where do you buy your food from? Or does your food travel to get to you? Um, how big is that is the carbon footprint of everything that you're purchasing? So if you're purchasing paper for your copiers, you know, is it recycled? How 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 far are your supplies traveling? Are you trying to source recycled uh, supplies? Um, yeah, it, really looking at your supply chain and and figuring out where it's sourced, eliminating what you can, greening what you can't absolutely eliminate. Um, and basically, it's it's like greening your supply chain. You know, looking at um, where everything comes from that you buy, how it's sourced, how it's manufactured, and ideally there can be some cost savings there too. A lot of green products these days are, they understand that they need to be competitive with the non-green products. Sometimes they're a little more, um, but if it's not a budget break, then I would encourage small entrepreneurs to go with that slightly greener product, even though it might be a little more expensive. Because once enough businesses do it kind of en masse, like say a whole downtown, for example, then those products will start to come down in price. And they have been already to a certain degree. There's a lot of, for example, for now, for copiers and faxes and whatnot that has a certain minimum of post user content and um, as opposed to so like for example when you look at um, things like paper there's recycled paper that that has been used from paper that's already been used once and then there's stuff that's recycled that's made from stuff that's never been used it was brand new stuff that maybe just got reformulated you want to try to get the stuff that has actually already been used and turned into something else. Um, that ends up being, it's greener. Um, so you can look at your supply chain aside from your electric water, gas bills, your food bills. Um, look at your supply chain. That's at least one other. Other things you can do is, again, kind of part of that top-down culture of encouraging your employees to ride their bikes, to walk to take public transportation, to carpool. You can even provide incentives for that somehow. Um, maybe a, a coupon to a local restaurant or a coupon to your local Trader Joe's or something or Whole Foods or um, stuff like that. Yeah, that's really cool. When the responsibility rests on the business owners to incite a culture of sustainability, along with our faith on the business owners and leaders to create this culture top down, I then often wonder, now that sustainability has become more common knowledge, if there's a system by which new entrants or new business owners are required to adopt these common green practices. Unfortunately, there's not. At least not where I live. You have to have the capital, the permits, and the tax forms in place, but there's no mechanism by which new business owners have to be made aware of sustainable practices. There isn't. 
There isn't. Uh, I mean, in certain communities, you know, there's a greater awareness right. of, say, sustainability. So depending on your community, that is kind of where any pressure around that may result from. But it's not, it's not an automatic thing. It's not a blanket thing. It's not an across-the-board thing. But even in a place like here, for example, here in Marin, where environmental consciousness is, is pretty high and it's been pretty high even you know for several decades now at least right it doesn't mean every single local business is green or even green right. certified or even has a conscious yeah owner all right. you know conscious of it you choose to define conscious right right um they're not but because the greater community to a certain degree does expect some kind of sensibility then there is some pressure to be aware, to be conscious, and to implement some of those changes, good, you know, sustainability, sustainability principles. So, no, there is no system in change to require those things. And with an administration like we have in DC right now, anything resembling that is basically getting dismantled. Luckily, uh, the state of California does encourage these things. It doesn't demand, but it does encourage. Um, your local county may encourage these things. Mm -hmm. um, but no, there's, and, and as to the question, should an entrepreneur these days be, in a nutshell, more conscious than before? Absolutely. I think so. Yeah. But, you know, I'm uh, in a blue state and I'm yeah. very progressive and yeah. You know, you'll find somebody with a completely different, um, even just maybe, you know, an hour and a half away from here. Right. Um, you know, let alone, a, you know, a red state in the middle of the USA somewhere. But today's generation, uh, the young generation, the millennials and the generation coming after the millennials, uh, they are demanding more transparency yeah. and more authenticity mm -hmm. than any prior generation. Uh, so that kind of transparency and that kind of authenticity is combined with greater demands for sustainability. You know, the, 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 a group of youths filed a lawsuit against the USA, for, uh, against the government for, I think it is, um, ruining, you know, the environment. Mm -hmm. And it's actually proceeding in court because it has legal grounds to stand on. Okay. But it's kind of amazing. Yeah. It hasn't been out of court yet. It might go to the Supreme Court. I don't know the latest on that case, but it's the youth of today that brought that legal case forward. Wow. Wow. Now, of course, it's based on precedent, which came from prior generations. Right. But nevertheless, the millennials and the people younger than the millennials will be expecting this kind of awareness right. on, a, on a greater level, either basis, I think, from, from here going forward. Yeah. So... In order to be economically sustainable, I think you're going to also need to be environmentally sustainable mm -hmm. if you're an entrepreneur, especially if you live, say, on the coasts. Okay, okay. The other question I always have in mind is this. Let's say you have a business owner, entrepreneur, and they're in the process of thinking of ways to green their business. But in evaluating the whole of their business, the upfront cost just far outweighs the benefits of creating sustainability. 
And to be fair, I'm talking about things like installing solar panels, changing out old building materials for more energy efficient ones. I wanted to understand sustainability relative to the business and what the business is capable of. I continue my conversation with Alejandro and ask him where the business owner goes from here because that's where I feel like business owners get stuck. It just doesn't make any business sense to be sustainable. How are we to think through these things and what's our motivation to seek in order to make sustainability a reality? Well, you know, if you're not economically sustainable, then nothing else will work, right? So if your business goes under, then there's no point in talking about environmental sustainability because your business failed, you closed, and you lost your employees, they are now unemployed, et cetera, et cetera. So realistically, financially, um, your business model needs to be viable, of course, right? You need to have, you need to be profitable at the end of the day. And if you don't have enough budget for a big upfront cost, then just work with you have. Take what you've got now and work with that. Even if it's just some recycling cans and, some, and separate the landfill cans and maybe separate a newspaper uh, or like copy paper, fax paper kind of bin and just separate those waste streams. Now, of course, this is also to a certain degree dictated by your local garbage, you know, slash recycling company. Hopefully you have a local recycling program will encourage this. So you can start with these low cost things and then you can start with little things just like switch your toilet out when you can. Switch it from that high consumption tank to the 1.6 gallon tank. Uh, if you have showers at work, switch to the low flow shower heads. Or even at your home, switch your home to low flow shower heads. Turn off your monitors at the end of the day. Don't leave your monitors on all night. People, Too many businesses leave their monitors on all night. Turn those off. So Alejandro offered some very practical ideas on how to work towards sustainability. And what's interestingly funny about sustainability is that each time we hear the word, we immediately and readily associate it with solar panels. Solar panels. Um, but we rarely think about the daily habits that we can change that can work towards sustainability, like turning off your monitors or changing to low-flow faucets and low-flow toilets. Those are very accessible things that we can do immediately. But because solar panels are such a trademark for what it means to, you know, attack the project of sustainability, I asked Alejandro to offer his thoughts on the accessibility of solar panels and the benefits that it can provide for a business. And here's what he gives us. Working they've become well. a lot more fit. Yeah, they've yeah. become a lot more efficient in the last few years, especially. Mm -hmm. the, the technology curve for solar panels was kind of like this for a long time, mm -hmm. and then suddenly in the last few years, it's doing this. Uh huh. So that's kind of combined with um, tech getting smarter. Uh huh. And by smarter, it means more efficiency at right. reduced costs. Uh -huh. So so you're getting things like. Um, windows that double as solar, solar panels, you know, or roof tiles mm -hmm. that double as solar panels. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
you can, you can do something else too. You can turn your business roof. If you can't afford solar panels, mm -hmm. turn your roof into a garden. Mm -hmm. um, because number one, you can grow uh, maybe herbs and spices or even some veggies for yeah. your, maybe your company kitchen or your, your, um, your, even your, or your restaurant, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, and you're also reducing the heat that's kind of bouncing off and, you know, be getting radiated because all the buildings on the planet help increase global warming, right? Because yeah. there's not grass and trees in there absorbing yeah. the heat. It's reflecting yeah. it. Yeah. So and then, every, every green roof can help. Right. So then would, would that decision rest upon the property owner and how quickly are they open to these things while the business who's leasing the, the building may be all for it, but then you yeah. might have the property owner. Well, it depends on the property owner and the property owner's decision, whether they're cool or not cool, mm -hmm. will depend <laughs> on your design of the garden. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the more water of storage it involves, the, yeah. the more the owner is going to freak out. Oh, yeah. So if you can do something like hydroponic gardens, because mm -hmm. it's low water, that means you're going to save in your water, and your property owner isn't going to freak out over a bunch of plumbing up on top of the building. I see. So when it rests on the entrepreneur, the business owner themselves, I mean, these decisions that have to be made, how does that shift occur? Like, it, does it take someone who kind of just has that all of a sudden internal desire to switch their thinking or do they have to come across I, I don't know it's kind of like a life question right when you you know come to the end of the road and you're like well there's got to be more to this than not you know I'm, I'm thinking of I don't know the 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 typical business owner who probably is just making a hustle to make ends meet um so I, I'm just trying to think like what is that what turns the shift on or how do they all of a sudden start to care? How does that? You know, sometimes it can be as simple as their kid coming home mm -hmm. and saying, Hey, yeah. I learned about this and this today at school. Are you doing this at work? Sometimes yeah. it's a child. Sometimes right. it's stumbling across um, a podcast or it can be a, um, something that right. a business owner saw on the or it can be a presentation that was made at a local, local chamber of commerce. Um, yeah. It can be a business networking group. And usually, you know, it's either because they feel it's the right thing to do and they have the budget to do it or at least a little bit of it. Yeah. Or, or they got, um, they heard about their friend, um, Jane, you know, reduced her energy bills by X thousand dollars a month mm -hmm. at her ice cream store. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, not a month, sorry, several thousand dollars a year at her ice cream store. You know, those refrigerators are a pretty major power draw. So sometimes it's, it's hearing from a friend or from a child or stumbling yeah. or something. Yeah, that initial. Yeah, there are a number of ways, that, but yeah, it, a yeah. light bulb has to go off for the owner. Right. Yeah. And it, and it has to be a moment of kind of personal, I don't want to say transformation. A light bulb has to go right. off. That's very true. So I want to talk about VenturePad because I know that a lot of these things you guys implement. We're both sustainability and mm -hmm. so sustainability is kind of 
it's just part of our DNA. It, it's just the way we think. It's the way we do things, whether it's um, people or planet or profits. So um, we both have MBAs. Right. They're both, they're both sustainability MBAs. Yeah. And, and so we knew that this was, this space was, it was just going to be green. It was a given. Mm-hmm. And then there are things you can do to, to add to that. So during the build-out, we chose you know, low-toxic uh, paint. We chose uh, recyc- floors that had um, uh, recycled cork um, as part of the um, underside that, that, that provides some cushioning. And that cork helps people be basically happier because it, it provides kind of a soft surface to walk on. So, you know, as you're walking back and forth uh, across the space day in and day out, um, it's low impact on your body. Uh, you have a huge row of, of windows and you can see the, the shades are drawn now because the sun's coming in and, and it gets hot and bright. But we have all this um, solar that, that lights up our space. So you can see all our lights are turned off right now. That's uh, Because we, we, we just don't need them. Yeah. Kind of like noonish, from noonish on, yeah. we turn off all the lights. I like that. So part of it was we chose a good space for, right. for this passive solar, for natural light. Uh, we, were, the, were the windows originally that way already? Like it was already? They were that way already. We were oh. lucky. We were lucky we found oh. a space that had all this win- all, the, all these wow. windows. This exactly. used to be a bank, and, and so it had those you know big... Mm. Uh, Really cool yeah. bank windows, you know. Yeah. Um, all our desks are sustainably harvested. Yeah. So butcher blocks is all a sustainably harvested wood. Oh yeah. Um, we've got the low flow tanks uh, in the in the toilets. Yeah. Um, we've got uh, we switched all the fluorescent fixtures over to LED uh, LED lighting. All the all the lights in the space are LED. Um, all the conference rooms have those LED lights, and the conference rooms have LED sensors. So they turn the lights on when somebody walks in. They turn the lights on a few minutes after they detect no one in the space. Um, we have some power outlets that work the same. If they don't sense somebody in the room, then they turn off the power outlets in the room. They sort of cut off the power to the outlets in case nobody's there. We have brand new thermostats throughout the space, so those they're, they're, they're more efficient, better control. We thank Alejandro for recording with us and sharing what building a culture of sustainability might look like for the small business. I've enjoyed learning about the practical steps towards sustainability, ones that can be implemented fairly easily at low cost. As your host for Rethink Business, I want to thank you for listening. Until next time. And a special thanks to our sponsor, Booming Group. Booming Group is a business ecosystem and non-traditional investment company committed to empowering leaders and business owners transition from business as usual to business as a natural mechanism to deliver impact, purpose, and profit, all while building community, promoting sustainability, and adding value for the benefit of all. You can find Booming Group at www. B-O-O-M-I-N-G-R-O-U-P dot com. Booming Group. Thank you.
We're a bunch of creatives, bankers, geeks, athletes, and adventurers from anywhere between the Americas, Africa, Europe, and Asia, starting our business committed to exploring and learning. We're from all walks of life and schools of thought, joining forces to build a new era of business.